Welcome to the Decision Podcast. It's a privilege to be joined today by Steve Blank, a serial entrepreneur, teacher, author, and widely credited as the father of the lean startup movement. Um, Steve, we'll talk about lean shortly, but firstly, we're living through unprecedented times at the moment with the COVID-19 crisis. In the absence of certainty, what are your key hunches about how the business landscape is going to change in the light of this? And is it a case of preparing for uh, a long, cold winter? Um, I think it's uh, the case of preparing for a, a massive extinction event. You know, I think uh, for the first time ever, countries have decided to shut down their economies, not by some financial crisis, a bubble bursting or, or war, but we've decided to save hundreds of thousands or millions of lives. And we made some economic decisions that have just devastated uh, this nuclear winter for segments of the industry. I think everybody who's looked outside their window could tell what's going on. Mm. It's a question about how long and how deep and uh, it will go on and what the recovery will look like. And more importantly, if you're an entrepreneur or a small business person, what you should be doing in the meantime. Mm. Uh, in the information vacuum that we're operating in now, should we, should we be looking at this as a worst case scenario situation? I know in some of your blogs you've talked about, well, maybe this is a three-month problem, maybe this is a one-year problem, or maybe this is a three-year problem. What's your own hunch on that? Well, when I first started blogging about this a month ago, I said, well, it might be a three-month problem or a year or it could be three years. Well, I think we could kind of write off the, you know, is this a three-month problem? Even if everybody went back to work yesterday, it's, you know, probably a year's damage to the economy. And so, uh, and what I remind everybody uh, who's an entrepreneur or running a business is, you know, your first thing to do is make an external assessment of how long do you think this downturn is going to last? How is it going to affect your business directly? And how is it affecting your customers' business? And the bad news is no one knows. So your guess has to be an educated guess based on what you see and what your investors see. And, and that's the first assessment you need to make. You know, and the other assessment you need to make externally is, are there, is there any government assistance programs for, for you and your, and your company and your industry? Obviously, the first thing you need to do is make sure you and your family and community are safe and your employees. But after that, you need to be start looking outside and then looking inside your company about all the metrics and business models. And we could talk about that in some detail, but I don't know if I answered your question. But But sure. the answer is, it's longer than I ever could have imagined and deeper than I could have imagined. And what's worse is, I mean, and here's just a mental test all your listeners could play, is that when people say all clear, are you going to run out and have dinner in a, in a tightly packed restaurant? And, and while some people might say, sure, no problem, probably because you're 20, but those of us over 50 or 60 are going to go no effing way, not for another couple of years till there's a vaccine. Yeah. Or are you going to sit economy class packed with people? you know, in an airport with thousands of people? And the answer is probably age-related, but not if I don't have mm. to, because mm. Zoom works kind of okay. Yeah. So some yeah. of these things are going to be permanent um, and, and long-lasting, regardless of when people sound the all clear. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, it does indeed. And, and as you allude to there, I, I don't think I'd want to be in the aviation industry right now because it's looking looking pretty horrific. And, and as you say, it's the exit strategy in many ways is going to be the issue here. Or the travel or hospitality business, or Indeed. right? Or, so yeah. there are some segments that are, or even colleges and universities who were kind of marginally, you know, effective before the top leaders will, will still be in business. But other people are going to be questioning, why am I paying a lot of money to go to college when 
this online stuff was kind of okay, at least at a fraction of the price. So all kinds of unexpected uh, events. I think we're going to see ripple effects uh, that we didn't even expect. There are going to be winners, by the way. There are not only losers, there will be winners. Yeah, I was just going to say say that to you as well, that, you know, there are positives as, as well as negatives in this situation. Could you see that in, in a, a time of mega disruption, there could be lots of opportunities for innovation? You, you know, when the uh, when the asteroid hit the Earth and wiped out the dinosaurs, uh, it was the mammals who, who kind of filled the, the empty niches. And I think we're going to see the same thing here. In, in every crisis, there's an opportunity. Yeah, new niches get created, you know, new types of businesses get created. People understand new opportunities. Investors who most of them are running away from investing, very smart ones who have capital will say, well, now is the time to look for innovative stuff. Because while I was just talking about gloom and doom, there will be a morning after. I mean, this, this mm-hmm. was not the zombie apocalypse for everybody. It was just yeah. a major disruption. So the question is, what's what is going to be the opportunities, and who are funding those, or how do you have a lifeboat strategy to preserve your assets, both people and and resources, for when the recovery does come, that yeah. you have an advantage. Yeah. Also, for okay. companies who have um, assets today, it's an enormously productive time to pick up people and and things you never could have acquired before, because everybody else is dumping, you know, on the street. If mm. you're lucky enough to be in a business that has cash and capital this is a this is an interesting time okay so a lot of established businesses are, are feeling pain at the moment and it's a, it's a war for survival in many ways have you any handy little strategies that you could share that might help companies in that position well you know i'm not sure they're handy because they're all require a change in behavior you know most ceos of you know are a optimistic designed to grow their businesses and and are not designed to operate in full-time crisis, but that's where we are. And so a new change needs to happen for CEOs. And and most of them are oriented around, you know, observing what's going on, orienting yourself, making some rapid decisions and acting rapidly. And the word rapid and urgent (laughs) appears multiple times in that, in that summary. So your survival depends on the, uh, the the speed of your ability to decide times the the number of decisions you make times the magnitude of those those changes and so specifically rather than just in theory let me be very specific if you're running a company you need to figure out how to get at least two years of the cash runway and if you're an early stage manager that's like asking for the moon but you need to understand what your burn rate is how much you're spending each month what your runway is that is when you run out of money and how do we kind of change that calculus? Mm. Um, you know, do we need to cut burn rate? Can you negotiate things that used to be fixed expenses like rent? You know, trading them off for future payments or getting deferred rent or some. How do you uh, how do you decrease employee salaries? Yeah. Well, if the if the executive should be taking pay cuts. They you should be exchanging some percentage of all employee salary for stock saying we're all in this together because everybody you could cut salary means the people you don't have to lay off. And then eventually you need to think about cutting, cutting staff and, and cutting employees, which should be a last resort, but you might need to do that. Call this the lifeboat strategy is what do you need to put in the lifeboat? I was reading in your blog, uh, Steve, there just during the week that you were talking about if companies do need to make layoffs, you're better off going in and making them in one fell swoop. So if you've got a thousand employees, you know, and you have to cut your workforce, get rid of the three, 400 people that you have to get rid of, 
you can probably re-employ them gradually as you need them. But probably the worst thing you could do, your advice was, is to cut 100 now, 100 next month and, and, and have this kind of death by a thousand cuts. So you believe you should do it decisively. You're going to have to do that. Yes, I do. And, and, and the reason why is more important. When you do death by a thousand cuts, you basically paralyze the entire organization who spends mm-hmm. their time you know, mentally going through, am I next? What do I need to do to keep my job? Maybe I had to start updating my resume. Oh my gosh, etc. And so whatever productivity you thought you had for that period of time goes out the window. But I want to put a caveat to that. I'm not just suggesting to CEOs that the first thing you do is randomly ask, not randomly, but immediately ask people without doing some of these preliminary steps about trying to preserve as many jobs as you can by mm-hmm. cutting salaries of everybody. And also the part that I want to be clear is there are vulnerable people inside your company that are the easiest quote to get rid of and probably should be the last people you do. The people who clean your toilets or mop your floors or who have no health insurance or whatever, you know, you have a moral obligation to, Mm. well, two things. One is to keep the entire ship afloat, but Mm. two is to protect the vulnerable. And so you need to take that into consideration when you start thinking about cutting but then when you do, my advice is you need to do it with speed and, and, and urgency. And at the same time, you need to be doing something else. And that is engaging the entire company and figuring out what is our new business model? That is, are there other markets? Are there other target segments? How do we kind of figure out where customers are now? How do we figure out where they're going to be when recovery comes? Are there additional products or services or new ones we could reconfigure or quickly write new code or build new things to do that. In some businesses, that's that's possible. In others, it's it's quite hard. But everybody should be engaged in that exercise. So I suppose looking at the established businesses, but yeah, of course, a lot of what you've written about is about uh, about the startups, the lean startups specifically. And um, you've said, you've in, said the in the past that existing companies, companies execute a business, business model where, where startups try to, try to discover, discover one. one. So, so can we talk, we a, talk a little bit about startups, startups and, how and how they survive? survive. Everything, of course, has changed for them as well. Um, again, in your blogs, you talk about the need to really examine the burn rate, the runway, and and I guess what's in your bank account. Yes. You know, and the other thing for a startup is that most of them had a set of assumptions on the 1st of March, which are no longer viable here in, in April and probably won't, won't be accurate throughout 2020. That is, every one of the assumptions in your business model about who the customers were what the channel was, how many people will buy, demand creation, all those things have, you need to recalculate them. Specifically, if um, I was in a startup and I had a head of sales who had given me a forecast, um, I would want to personally dial through those customers or at least see those numbers because not that VPs of sales are hiding anything, but they tend to be incredibly optimistic. Right now, what matters is cash in the bank. And that brings up the second thing for a startup is if you were expecting a term sheet or you had a term sheet and was expecting a check, all those rules are gone. You may or may not be seeing that money. Or if you were expecting a Series A that is a next round of financing, all rules are off. You may or may not. And it doesn't mean that VCs or all of them are going to act badly. But is if you're running a startup, you need to understand the venture capitalists are also playing lifeboat strategy with their portfolio. They may be heading for the lifeboats themselves. So, so what's your what's your advice, Steve, in terms of dealing with the, the VC community? Well, you know, it depends on who you were raising money from. If you're raising money from angel investors, well, a good number of them might have got creamed in the stock market and 
you know, they're still breathing and fogging a mirror, but they might not be writing checks. And so if you were expecting angel money or even expecting venture capital money, the first thing you want to know is how much dry powder do they have left, which is a fancy word for, do they just raise a billion dollar fund? Boy, I'd be calling on that, BC. Except for some of them, they're using that capital to support their later stage deals, which were their most valuable, whose bottom might have dropped out, like Airbnb. Airbnb Mm -hmm. is now worth half of what it was 60 days ago. So the very specific advice I give entrepreneurs who are raising money or expecting a next round is when you're talking to investors, you need to ask them two questions. Can you make investment decisions over Zoom? Big idea. And tell me about the number of checks you've written in the last 30 days. And if the answer is no or zero (laughs) to either of those questions, politely thank them and take them off your list. Not because, again, there's malice involved, but some of them are still trying to figure out how do you vet a company over Zoom? And others are saying, you know, we're going to shut down this kind of investing in, in, in this area. And they never quite tell you that. So you need to be a little more aggressive by just asking some questions politely. And those two are the first two that would actually get you, I think, uh, an interesting answer. But there are smart investors who realize that there will be a 2021 and 2022. And those are the people Mm -hmm. you want to find. But you want to be able to ask, what are you looking for now? Yeah, good advice, good advice. A lot of what you've talked about and written about in terms, in terms of lean and um, customer, customer discovery, discovery is, is, is very, very relevant, relevant even more relevant, relevant right now in terms, in terms of, of this reset. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you often talk about the need to get out of the building, even if that in the current environment is, is in a virtual sense. Um, is it the case, perhaps, during this lockdown, Steve, that it might actually be easier to get to talk to the people that you need to talk to? So in some segments, it's 10x easier. One is mm-hmm. you're not traveling anywhere, so you have <laughs> you have more concentrated time. But it also means the potential people you want to talk to aren't mm-hmm. going anywhere. And more importantly, their gatekeepers aren't home. <laughs> so if they're yep. sitting at home, there's no admins, there's no secretaries, there's no whatever. You mm-hmm. could probably get to people you never could have gotten to before. Yeah. With those caveats that says be respectful if you're talking to people in frontline industries and healthcare and whatever, you know, they're kind of, they really are busy with things more important than doing discovery with you. But for sure. almost anybody else in any other industry, you should be able to get to them. Uh, just a tackle, tactical thing to remember is whatever contact information you had at their work address may or may not be valid. And if you mm-hmm. could get their Gmail or home uh, contact information, that's yeah. where, you know, at least half of them are sitting. Yeah. And I guess also LinkedIn is going to be particularly useful during this this crisis as well. Because LinkedIn, Zoom and whatever, yeah. Skype are all your favorite tools now. And again, I would uh, start any discovery with acknowledging the new normal. Hey, I know you're really busy and I hope you and your family are health, uh, healthy. And, and I know you're not thinking about X, but, you know, if you got 10 minutes in the middle of uh, your busy day, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd love to ask you a couple of questions, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And and, and yep. then tell them what they're going to get in return. And right. in this case, the get in return is not now here's a product that's going to make you money, but here's a product or service that if we're right, when recovery comes, might make your industry or your company more competitive. You know, change change whatever you were going to say to acknowledge the, the current circumstances. And I'm still surprised how many people haven't changed either their positioning or their messaging when they're trying to do discovery. Right. Okay. 
One way or another, it seems certain that we're going to be facing a major global recession. Do you think that lean methodologies could actually help now even more than ever? You've said it in the past that, that there could be a great way of, of helping to boost innovation, entrepreneurship, create employment, boost GDP of countries who badly will need this. Could this be a really good time for, for lean? Sure. And in fact, uh, you know, I, I just want to remind your listeners, it's uh, two decades. Link came out of the rubble of the dot-com crash. In the dot-com crash, there was infinite capital, and there was, yep. the, there was the antithesis of lean, which was first-mover advantage, go hit the market. We don't care whether anybody wants it, just start putting it out and selling it. And when there was no capital available, lean allowed startups to provide some evidence whether there was product, or what we now call product market fit to investors mm -hmm. to say, no, there is a business here. I think we're going to see lean on steroids and and, uh, <laughs> and and much more interesting strategies on how to be efficient in new markets. And I think the other thing we're going to see, which I would consider a kind of a new front end of lean, is how to target markets that have changed and how to repurpose business models. You know, Alexander Osterwalder has kind of pioneered the business model canvas and, and using customer discovery and validation tools to test it. But I think we're going to see things even earlier on how to map potential markets and, and market changes. And, and so I think to answer your question, I think Lean will be extending a set of tools for entrepreneurs. I just want one more context piece. Your question was really interesting is implicit in that there were no tools for entrepreneurs in the 20th century. It's kind of funny. We're talking about Lean as, well, of course, it's the tool set that entrepreneurs use. I guess I'm trying to summarize my answer by saying the tool set will be extended in this pandemic to help target new and changing marketplaces. Turning to, to individuals and how they cope with, with this, um, I think you were also saying in, your, in one of your blogs there that you think this could be an interesting opportunity for pre people perhaps to reset their own, uh, their own priorities in terms of the type of careers they might want to take on, perhaps uh, looking to more purpose-driven careers and, and, and lives. Do you think this could be a significant inflection point in that um, process? A crisis. a crisis is always a significant inflection point in some percentage of the population. Get their head out of their current work and look around, think about what they want to do with their lives. In the United States after our uh, 9-11, interesting and, and, and important percentage of our youth decided they wanted to serve the country. Um, and whether they joined our armed, armed services or other branches of the government, the government literally was refreshed with people they never would have thought they, they could have gotten. I think in this pandemic crisis, and I've had multiple calls with students and um, students now early in their career, rethinking about their purpose in life. And where I point them to is, you know, there's a set of areas right in front of you, both healthcare and life sciences and therapeutics and medical devices and diagnostics and emerging digital health applications. And also education, you know, remote education isn't going away. We're running a billion person science experiment on how effective are these remote tools. You know, Zoom can't be the answer forever. People will invent better ways to do remote education. And then social entrepreneurship, There's, it's always been an underlying theme, but I think we're now seeing how the pandemic affects the poor and, and the people who can't take care of themselves. And, and there'll be more people interested in those areas. So I've been advocating that while you're sitting at home or while you're taking remote classes, you need to spend some time thinking about, is your current career path or technology path really how you want to spend 
your career. And remember, your career is an infinite. Our careers last about 14,000 days. That's mm. it. There's no more. Our lives, on average, will last 28,000 days. You know, it's mm. it's not like you could buy extra credit. <laughs> and, and yeah. Nowadays, in this pandemic, some of those numbers are actually going down. So yeah. how do you want to make your life meaningful in the short time that we have? And that's yeah. what I've been suggesting people think about. Sure. That's a, a very positive note to, to, to end on. Think about your legacy in terms of your, your family, your, your community, and, and your country. Steve, it's been a, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for, for talking to me. Well, thank you for, ha for having me on, and I hope you and your listeners stay uh, healthy and safe.